Okay, bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Right. Assalamu alaikum everybody. So, uh, today we are all over the place, that's what we are. Got sheet papers, I've been reading some stuff, looking at some old notes, and uh, wrote a few things. And I remembered Rayhan as well, and he's bugging us for the last any six months. Go back to page 112, go back to 112. I myself, where is page 112? So I went back to page 112, didn't I? And I realized I didn't miss anything. I left it out on purpose. And so that's an important lesson, actually. I thought, you know what, today it would be a good, good, good couple of uh, principles. So you know, uh, when it comes to al-mumti' al-sharh al-mumti' meaning the wider commentary of Zad al-Mustaqni' there's a lot of details that he goes into. There's a lot of stuff that he... Uh, Sheikh Uthameen alayhi rahmatullah He finds relevant something which we don't find relevant He goes into some details which يعني, are a bit you know, above everybody's heads And uh, you know So I don't replay everything And as you know obviously I spend a whole lot of time speaking about useless stuff Which is definitely not in his commentary as well So I take some of that and we have some of our own And we add some stuff from you know, people like Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti Okay Ta'ala, and then we even include yani, on the odd occasion something from Sheikh Nasr al-Din al-Albani uh, rahmatullah. Uh, it is nice, you know, because this is Sheikh Nasr al-Din al-Albani he, uh, it's, it's important yani, for us to take account of him in our contemporary time when you study fiqh even though he was nowhere close to a faqih however, he revolutionized Islam in the current time because he put all of these fuqaha on, on paras Right, because he smashed the whole science of hadith and fiqh, and he normally doesn't concern itself too much with hadith. So once you've got this guy, and a new kid on the block, and we don't know where he came from, don't know where he studied, he's got no classical tradition, doesn't follow madhab, blah, 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 blah. And these guys yani, passing fatwas left, right, and center, this hadith is weak, this hadith is fabricated. What he actually did, even though he made many mistakes in that, in that pursuit, uh, he put everybody on guard that there is this concept, there is this revival that's required, and that's the science of hadith. And so, um, of course, when you are from the school of Ahl hadith and you put hadith first, uh, then your interpretation of those hadith according to your own principles when you're not following a school of thought yani can, will make your fiqh different as well. You can say that the fiqh yani, will starts to follow a pattern of the people of hadith or the Salafi t style or approach to fiqh, if you like. So it's important to see yani, his more literal kind of uh, take on things because it, it does tend, turn out to be a bit more literal. But it's very useful. It's very useful because you pick up a lot of sunnah and ultimately yani, our allegiance is not to the imams or the madhab or the schools, but it's to the sunnah, right? Uh, but as we know, as we've learned, it's not that simple. A hadith yani, can be interpreted in so many ways. And the classic example, of course, is a couple of weeks ago, the camel hadith, right? I mean, how out there is that? You've got people who literally have gone complete opposites in their understanding, trying to work out, does it go down hands first? Does it go down knees first? Does it have hands in its knees? Does it have arms and legs? Yeah, any, you know, what's going on? And uh, uh, when I looked back to see what Rehan was talking about, uh, actually, it was about the hands and legs. And because it is a bit absurd, the example, I didn't bother going into it. I, so I left it out, Rehan. But I am going to cover it because um, uh, it actually just ties into my little introduction. Because um, I, I, I had lost my notes to Sheikh Muhammad uh, Mukhtar al commentary on this. I had lost it and I just found it again earlier today. 
And as I was just flicking through, as I was flicking through, I see a couple of things that I realized that I hadn't mentioned. You know, I wrote on Facebook about this uh, uh, thing about uh, the right hand on the left hand, yeah? Did I mention that in class? I didn't mention the, anything else about the right hand on the left hand to do with clothes and whatever. You see, that's an example. I write notes. Of, I, I have original notes when I said this years ago on pieces of paper, and I can't find those pieces of paper. Then when, they, when I find them, they come back, you know, it's normally too late. So like I found it today, and I found my notes on that. And just to repeat again what I've written, uh, obviously it's, it's gone now, a couple of weeks ago, but the right on the left uh, issue, we know it's a sunnah to put right on left, and that the hadith specifies that. Uh, the hadith are far more relaxed when it comes to the actual nature of how right goes on left. And so you remember that we effectively explained it as al-wada and al-qabd, yes? And wada is the place, and when you place, you place the right hand on the left hand, and you place the right arm on the left arm, and then we do qabd which is to clasp or grasp, yes? Whether you grasp it like this, or as a Hanafi school, you know, goes hardcore and it does the little encircling fingers. But it's the same thing. It's about glass, uh, cl clasping. And the Mali Maliki school is the only one that does the irsal, yani, which is to leave the hands at the sides. Even though the Maliki yani, considered the hadith to be sahih, that the, from the sunnah is the right hand on the left hand. The hadith is very authentic, no doubt about it. Um, and we did that and we covered it wherever we covered. Now, what Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti also added, which, was, which I found interesting, was a side discussion. Uh, uh, was, a, was, a, was a side discussion which was to do with if the right hand is on the left hand, can we take anything more from that? Right? Is, there, is there any indications being made? And the, the, the scholars of fiqh and tafsir, and actually the scholars at the top level, uh, 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 are always yani, looking you know, outside the box, left field points and indications and so on and so forth, always. So they said that if the right hand goes on top of the left hand and it is a sunnah, therefore it is not allowed to pray left hand on top of right hand. Yeah? Okay, so a priori then, that the right hand over the left hand is intended. Okay, alright? If that is intended and that's not allowed, then that is indicating the better action. Can we agree that? That if it's a sunnah, because a person might say there's a difference between uh, a, a, a correct action and uh, a, a correct action and better. Does that make sense? Accepted and better? No. Uh, like I, I, what I want to say to you is that if I said to you that the right hand is to be on the left hand, the right hand is to be on the left hand in the prayer, does that mean that this is a natural act of no extra reward, or does that mean no doubt it's got to be extra because the Prophet did it? Which one do you think? Is it acceptable ever to think the first? That it's just not, it's normal, it's how you do the prayer. The prayer is not acceptable without it. Or should we say no, there are other options to way to hold the hand, so therefore it's got to be better? Surely it's the second one. Because as I said, you can put the left on the right. You can put none at all. You can put the hands up like this. You said that you can't have the left and the right. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I'm saying practically. Practically it's possible, isn't it? So if those have been taken off the table and this has been put on, then surely that just doesn't just indicate that that's the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, but rather that it's the best possible act that can be done. Agreed? Especially more so if I say to you that it's permissible for you to pray with the hands outside, which we know it is. Because we know that all the actions of the hands in the prayer, yeah, they're all sunnah acts. 
So a person, if he forgot to raise his hands or put his hands here or whatever, or even if he left it out intentionally, the prayer is not deficient from a, a pillar's point of view, but you didn't do what's best. So short, long story short, it's definitely a more rewarded act to put the right hand over the left hand. Right. So if you now break that down, this is more rewarded, this wouldn't be. Therefore, there's got to be something special about this position. Right. So is it the fact that the right is better? Or is it the fact that to be on top is better? Meaning that which touches the body and that which is on top. Is this more honorable or is this more honorable? The scholars, they had that discussion and basically a large number of them said that whatever is a'la wa afdal, yani it is yani what is on top. And so from there, they basically said that when it comes to a person who's got differing quality cloth, again, going back to the time where you know, cloth is not available, right? It's, or it's, it's not cheap, it's expensive. Right, and so you know uh, it's it's scarce. And when you're making kefen shrouding for the dead, normally it's some cloth that they use in their lifetime. Us, you know, we go and buy dedicated cloth because you know wealth and all the rest of it. Yeah. So there was always the very likelihood that there be differing qualities. So they said that if there are different qualities cloth of cloth, because the best is on the outside from the hand we can generally assume that the best is on the outside everywhere. So for the, the deceased, if you had three types of cloth of different quality, the least quality would go to the body, touch the body, and the best would be on the outside. And that's a recommendation from the scholars. Not a fard, not a sunnah, a recommendation. Istidlalan of right hand being recommended over the left, on the left hand in sunnah. Istidlal means they've, they've derived this principle from the, from the fact that you put the right hand on the left hand. We're talking tertiary level understanding here. This is clearly not you know, a direct nos or anything like that. And then I extended it today with a little bit of fun, you know, where I said, you know, if you've got ni a choice of wearing a nice brand new underpants versus a jacket or a shirt, which one would you go for? And based upon that, you know, if you had a choice or you had to choose one, then based upon the basic principle, that it's best to have your best stuff on the outside as opposed to the inside. Yeah. So anyway, so that, that, that point um, reminded me that Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti himself, he considers that to go to a sajda, hands first is the sunnah. And you know that the class position is knees first. And the position of the majority of scholars is knees first. Right? And Sheikh Uthameen as well. He prefers the position of knees first, okay? Where Sheikh Lalbani, a number of the contemporary scholars, a lot of the, the Ahl Hadith scholars, and as I said, uh, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar as well, they said if you look at the evidences and so on and so forth, then it is hands first. But he, the, the extra thing that he added, uh, he added two things, and one of them is what Rayhan wants to clarify, but the other thing I'm going to add myself is that, and I like actually what Sheikh said, is that, and I think I did say this, but I didn't clarify it. I told you that Ibn Taymiyyah said that there's a consensus that either one is okay. Do you remember that? I think that you understood that, yes? That the class position is that this is the sunnah, but if a person does this or that, then it's okay. But I don't know whether I clarified clearly enough that that doesn't mean that you do one like this and one like that. What I mean is that it's okay to hold this position or that position, but not mix between them. It's not one of those. I did say that, yeah? Good. Right? I don't want you to be thinking that because it's so relaxed issue, it's such an obvious difference of opinion that you can understand why they differed. So the school that says hands first and the school that says knees first, we're easy with both of them, right? We are easy because it's clear to see why they differed, 
but it doesn't mean that you're mixing and matching. It means you're either in this camp or in that camp, and you would not criticize those people, and they would not criticize those people. Whereas in other areas of fiqh, plenty of valid criticism can be thrown because it's clear that it shouldn't be like that. You know what I'm saying? So, Sheikh Muhammad, he, he mentions that point, and I like that. Okay, so it's important that you don't mix and match. Whilst you're not mixing and matching, it's still allowed, of course, for you to do both if there's a reason. So, at the, from a class position, I've told you that it should be knees first. But if you're weak or tired or they've got some, you know, knee pain or whatever, then of course you're allowed to go hands first anyway, right? That's different. Now, on, the, on page 112, so we are, it is a bit of a throwback, okay? Uh, what Sheikh Uthameen, he, he does a criticism. And the reason I ignored it is because this is, I don't see anyone doing this. It's a nonsense, okay? That's why I ignored it. He goes, there are some people, some beginners in fiqh, who get confused by the hadith, and it's obvious that these are people who are reading the hadith themselves and not following a teacher. So they saw the hadith and they understood from the hadith that the problem with not making sajda like a camel is to collapse in bottom to top, to go from bottom to top. So he describes some people that he must have seen, because I've never seen anyone do this. مَنْ حَاوَلَ أَنْ يَجْمَعَ بَيْنَ الْأَمْرَيْنِ فَقَالَ لَا أُنْزِلْ أَعَالِي بَدَنِي so this is what he's going to do. From what I've understood, from what I've understood, basically, a, a person who's come down into sajda but onto his haunches. You get what haunches means? You know, I realize that I don't think people are really, you know, you make me feel really old when I say things like that. But then I realized haunches is not old. Haunches is just normal English. No, it's not. No, it's absolutely not. Guarantee you, yani, everyone on this uh, online is going to go haunches, haunches, haunches. And you little penguins are like, you have no idea what haunches is. Wait, on about? Of course they do. Right? Okay, tell me what did they say then? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've heard myself. <laughs> that is why Lala is a genuine banda, asli banda. No sharam. Just you know, he just put his opinion out there. He's now best. He's going to be done hardcore. Okay, haunch has got nothing to do with pain. Nothing to do with whatever. Yeah, I know you're searching. No, 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 no cheating. What do you think the online people did? No, 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 no. I've got, I've got. I guarantee that Mason knew what it was. With that, no one cares what you heard. What you heard, you're, yeah, no one cares whatsoever. You're from Canada. No one cares. Hashtag nobody cares. Okay. Uh, Mesa, we care about because she's only you know, taking care of the notes these days. Mesa hit us with the hit us with the with the good stuff. And Solange, of course. There we go. Right. What did I tell you? Okay. That's because they're real people up there in Edmonton. Real people. Real cold today in Edmonton. 29 degrees minus. Okay. Let me just let you know. All right. That's the only people on their haunches. Yeah, and day and night. That's. There we go. What did I tell you there? Look. Allahu Akbar. Look at that. Sick one. Heavy buzz. You're not from Canada. You're from the Arctic, Mesa. Okay? You're from the Arctic. A buttock and thigh considered together. And Lala Ajman is like, huh? <laughs> I'm in pain. What's the pain going to do with it? Okay. Now that you've seen the definition, here's where the fun really starts. Now that you've seen the definition, what does it actually mean? Huh? You checked, isn't it? That's why. Lala, I'm, Lala you know what? <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I'm not going to hit on my Lala chief, Yanni. He knew what was going on. Ladies, did you know what was going on? 
this is Honches. This is Honches. Arms. Oh. Murgi. It got nothing to do with Murgi. Murgi is here. Murgi is there. You literally are putting your arms in between your flipping buttocks and thighs. Not even close, bro. Right. But haunches, yeah? That's, that's what haunches are. So basically what they're saying here is that the person comes down from Ruqur and instead of going down into Sajda, they go onto their haunches like this. All right? And then I put my hands on the, on the ground like this and then go like that. He brings the body down and then, and it's some nonsense. The point is it's some nonsense. And I ignored it because it's just nonsense. Who does that? Who sees that? Okay? I mean, uh, uh, you'll see people squatting, but they don't squat because they think they're following the sunnah, if you know what I mean. Do you understand? There's a big difference between someone who comes and, you know, coming down and squats. This headache, Yara. You know, if you dare ever send me a thing about put the microphone on ever again. So, you know, you've got normal people, normal person, and he just comes down, and maybe he's just kind of lost balance a bit. You know, when they lose balance a bit, they actually go into a squatting position. They were actually meant to go all the way with their knees, but because they're kind of backwards, they kind of go into a squat, and then they kind of go down like that. That's different. That's allowed. There's no problem with that. But it's a difference, Yani, if a person says, it's not sunnah to go down on my knees or on my hands, it's sunnah to go down and wait here, and then go down. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So no one that I know of, like, ever goes down on his haunches thinking it's a sunnah. Understand my point? Okay. So he's basically saying that one of the weird people in this hadith, you know, weird folks out there, beginners in fiqh, is that they, they make it up themselves. You know, instead of following the scholars and taking their advice, etc., etc. So Rehan wanted this point explained because then Shaykh Uthameen, on the back of this, he establishes a principle, a qa'idah in fiqh, an axiom. Yeah? He says that uh, not a single person from the earlier or the later scholars ever mentioned this type of description of how to go down for sajda. Not a single person. And, and when a person yani, tries to develop his own fiqh, yani, he's always going to fall into a mistake. Right? And not only is he going to fall into mistake and, and even bid out even, potentially, he goes, there's a good marker for you to understand something from the sunnah, even in our natural reality. He said that that which goes against the nature, human nature and common sense, is also an indicator. That which goes against tabi'ah and jibilla. And so he, he says something, وَكُلُّ فِعْلٍ يُخَالِفُ الطَّبِيعَةِ وَالْجِبِلَّةِ فِي الصَّلَةِ يَحْتَاجُ إِلَى دَلِيلٍ he goes, every action in the prayer that goes against a natural gate, natural position, normal reality, it requires an evidence. This is a really good point, actually. That's why Rehan Yani, his persistence was good. Okay? Because I ignored it because of this pointless thing, but in actual fact, the lesson that he took off it is useful. All right? And he goes, and the reason for that is because salah is an ibadah and every act of ibadah and statement of ibadah requires dalil. Alright? And therefore, he goes, I would like to then mention a qaida, an axiom or maxim, yani for you to remember. Yani translated taqriban, it means every single action which contradicts the natural gate 
of a person when their body moves in the prayer requires an evidence to establish it for it to become legislated. Okay? Don't dare ask me to repeat that. I've got no idea what I said. When, when Mesa writes that, okay, by the way, I don't know where the volunteers have gone. I don't know how many volunteers responded, but transcription volunteers we still need. And make sure that yani, you uh, email lpnotetakers at gmail.com if you can help out. But something like every action which contradicts the natural gait or positions during the movement of the body in the prayer, the movement of the body in the prayer, requires an evidence for it to be established. Requires an evidence for it to be established. Okay? For it to therefore become legislated, to become mashru'a, to become yani, uh, 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 legislated. So therefore, to build upon this rule, this is a maxim, this is a rule that you use to be able to work it out. So build upon this, let's now look at a couple of issues. Uh, so for example, the feet in the prayer. We mentioned this last week. When you're in sajda, yeah? You saw me, you saw me do the demonstration, right? In sajda, where did the feet go? Together. We said together, right? Now, together, yani meaning touching. You happy with that, yeah? Is this natural? What's natural? Why apart? Because you're in line with your knees. And we mentioned that, didn't we? We said that what's natural is that your thighs are apart, your knees are apart, your whole body's apart. So your, your feet should be apart, which is why so many actually do keep their feet apart. And we said that's permissible as well. So then why are we now changing? We're going against the principle, aren't we? We're changing the natural position. But we're changing the natural position with dalil. So it's the evidence that has actually forced us to move from natural position into unnatural position, and we put the feet together. So that's a really useful application of the actual rule itself. Okay? Um, so therefore, anything that does not have some kind of evidence attached to it, yani establishing it, then we shouldn't do it. All right? I was thinking about the tatbiq. Tatbiq is when you put your hands in between ruku'ah. Remember I told you about that? So when you're in ruku'ah, we put our hands on our knees. Yeah? But we know that in the sunnah, originally, it used to be the hands together in between the knees. So the legs would come together, right? And you'd, you'd basically put them in between like that. But that was how it was originally done, and then later on, then it became hands upon the knees in Ruqur, right? So the evidence there, I don't know whether that's any natural. I think natural is on your knees. Yeah, so that was only practiced because an evidence was there to practice it. Then that evidence, uh, that evidence itself became abrogated. So it abrogated itself then to, uh, right, uh, you know, uh, both hands on knees. Is that clear, everybody? So that, that covers th that point, wh you know, whatever benefit there is in that. Um, so yes, Solange is asking, the, uh, uh, Solange is asking that uh, hands span apart. Yeah, we said it's okay. We said that the majority of scholars said that the feet, yani going there is okay. But we said that uh, there is some evidence, and we said it's not the greatest and the strongest of evidence, but it does indicate that the feet should be together because of the hadith of Aisha and a few other hadith as well. All right? So that is the, uh, you know, the class position is that both positions are okay. There's no doubt about it, yani, that the 
Uh, but the sunnah maybe is closer to having the feet together and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But hand up, yani hands band apart is uh, okay. Uh, is there a reason that it was changed to hands on the knees for ruku'ah? I mean, common sense would dictate that absolutely, that as the prayer becomes more intense, more prayers, longer, we need a more practical position. Would you agree? And that's very tiring, Yanni, to put your hands in between. You know, one of the great things about ruku'ah is that you can relax, isn't it? Yeah? Your body's weight is then taken by the knees. If you try to stand with your hands in between your knees, you can't do it for long. Your hands start to hurt. Yani, it's like, you know, it's like doing that. It's not much difference than, you know, doing that. So I think that was the, the development. All right, anyway. So we are now back. Uh, Yalla, bring some uh, text up. And we are on top of page 123 in Al-Mumtir. And the actual statement is, um, so the translation is that he lifts his upper arms away from his sides, lifts his stomach up away from his thighs, all whilst keeping the knees apart in sajda. And then he says, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. In the sajda says, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Then he lifts his head whilst uttering the takbir. And he sits muftarishan. He sits muftarishan, sitting on his left foot. That's not very good English. He sits muftarishan on his left foot. That's what it should say. Yeah. And he sits muftarishan on his left foot, whilst his right foot is nasiban or mansub, upright. And then he says, Rabbigh firli. Is that the last part of the translation? That means I've got translation to do now. Inna lillah, inna, meaning no sleep tonight, yeah? MashaAllah. Well done. What a disaster. Right, okay. So, um, so let's talk about yani, the sajda now. We covered the excellence of the sajda, the structure of the sajda, the benefit of the sajda, and that's great. Now it's about the arkan or the obligatory aspects within the sajda. And that is to say, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Subhan, we've already spoken about. The subhan meaning tasbih, meaning to remove from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any deficiency. Okay? And so we're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani removing any naqs from him, a tanzih, yunazzahu anhu. We are perfecting yani the, the perception of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's perfect, but the people yani, are not treating him like the perfect one, saying silly things, claiming different things, believing in different things. And so we are always yani, correcting that perception in our own hearts and in others around us. Tasbih is very important. And we say, Rabbi al-A'la. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. And not Rabbi al-Azim. Not Subhana Rabbi al-Azim. Subhana Rabbi al-Azim has its position. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la has its position. And we should not mix between them. And the, the, the times when you do, will come to that in its section. But it is a mistake, correct, to say Subhana Rabbi al-Azim. It is not one of the narrated uh, adhkar of the sajda. And therefore, it should be avoided. Subhana Rabbi al-Azim fits its position. And Subhana Rabbi al-A'la fits its position. Azim, you know, the, the concept of bowing, okay, it yani, was always indicating a lens, sense of respect. So, for example, when a person would come into, you know, to see the king, they wouldn't make prostration. They would bow. Yep, so to bow is the normal, whatever, you know, whatever how you bow, but the point is, is that they would look down, they wouldn't look up. No need to prostrate. 
So that was the normative reaction of showing honor and respect to the king or the leader. And so therefore, it has been legislated for us in the uh, atypical, antypical position of respect, which is bowing to say, Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, the most yani, magnificent, the most yani, uh, honored, the most respected. Yes? So, uh, you know, all of these other folks, yani, for whatever they think they deserve, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Azim, the Almighty, right? The Great, the one yani, that should have that honor. So that's where that happens. Whereas Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, that of course is relevant because you as the Abd are in the lowest place possible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is remembered at that time because he is in the highest place possible. So he, he is Al-A'la. You are the lowest and the most yani, descended position possible. And at that moment, it's just yani, munasib to remember yani, who you are and who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And when you remember your, who, uh, who Allah is and you're in that position, you can see yani, that it's common sense that you say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. And that's why it's important that when you're making this tasbihat, you're thinking about them as well. Not just Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. You know what I mean? People don't even say Subhan properly. They don't say A'la properly. They just, yani, just kind of, you know, and you should say it slowly, individually, and properly. Knowing what it means, knowing its implication. And the, um, this, by the way, is a way of life. It's not a, just a sajda. It's a way of life. If you understand that when I'm brought down, I remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay? Remember what I said to you guys before, that dhikr, all right, dhikr, is a three-stage process. Yes? We said, yani perception, reflection, expression. Perception meaning you've got to be able to understand that this is a moment of dhikr. You've got to be alive yani, to the point that yani, what's going on and I need to actually do something about this situation that I'm in. Then it's the actual reflection at that time and then it's what you say. So the Prophet ﷺ said that the difference between the one who makes dhikr and doesn't make dhikr is the difference between the one who's alive and dead. Both are humans that are walking and breathing. But the one who, for example, gets to the top of Everest and he looks around. When he looks around, is there anything higher than him? Nothing. He's at the highest possible point. Right? He's at the highest possible point. The one who is a climber, kafir, atheist, yani couldn't care less, looks around, how beautiful, how amazing, takes pictures, selfies, mark the place, and that's it. The believer, by virtue of his belief, pauses at the magnificence of where he is and he remembers who he is. And he remembers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who created him, is even higher. That's perception. That's belief. And that's a blessing. Because there are many Muslims who don't even think about Allah at every normative scenario. Then, that perception leads to the reflection. That subhanAllah, I did all of this, I did all of that, and this is like nothing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is going to always be the highest, whatever we try to say and think we do. However much we think that we're so powerful and the arrogance and the pride that kicks in, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always al-a'la. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always higher, always greater, always better. And that then should lead to a confirmation on your tongue. And you might, you might then turn around and say, subhanallah. And if you want to follow the sunnah, what should you turn around and say? What would the sunnah be? Allahu Akbar, correct. Narrated from the Prophet ﷺ and the companions that when every journey, when they would come to a high point, they would say, Allahu Akbar. And when they would come to a low point, it would be, Subhanallah. Okay? 
when they would come to a low point, it would be subhanallah. A low point here does not mean yani, a low point in life, meaning a low in distance. Yani, understanding that, and this is, this is a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality, that every moment of perception has a dhikr. Every time you can perceive. And the really alive people amongst the Muslims are those who are in a constant state of dhikr because they are constantly perceiving. Everything around them at all time is a sign and a reflection upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why it's called dhikr. Because you remember from dhikrah, everything that you see, like everything, you look at a color, it makes you think. If you look at a line, it makes you think. If you look at the line when it's straight, it makes you think. When it's bent, it makes you think. You look at a phone, it makes you think. You look at people, it makes you think. And you're remembering that in line with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his system and his blessings and his creation, etc., etc., etc. So you understand what I'm trying to say? That is the one who is That is why subhanAllah, Allah in the Quran doesn't mention those people make dhikr except a lot. They always make dhikr a lot. It's not There's always some indication after it of either a lot, they do it a lot, kathir, kathira, kathir, kathira, or that they're doing it when this happens, when they are lying down, when they are sitting up, and, and so on and so, so forth. So it's a way of life. And so therefore, you're taking from what you learn in your sajda to the real life as well. So when you come and do something great, you remember that Allah is greater. When you reach someone which is high, you remember Allah is higher. When you're reaching a position which is low, you say Allah is definitely not like this. You see, so when you are low or when you are physical, you remember this, the ulu of Allah. So you take away yani, the deficiency of being low because low is a deficiency. Low is a concept which is not, yani, uh, how can I say, low is not praiseworthy. Does that make sense? And I told you before that sajda is not a praiseworthy position. It's a, it's a position of humiliation, right? And when we look down the earth itself, we have a natural disposition. Because as Shaykh Uthameen now goes into it, okay, it is important that the Prophet Sallallahu here uh, is wanting to ensure by saying Subhana Rabbil A'la that he affirms what Allah affirms. And that is the sifa of Al-Ulu. And this is now Tawheed. And Shaykh Uthameen is going to remind us of the importance of Tawheed. What does it mean when you say Subhana Rabbil A'la? Yani my, um, a transcendent and magnificent is my Lord Al-A'la, the Most High. Does it mean high in place or high in description? Is he high in who he is or is he high in where he is? And the answer is both. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is high in place and he is high in description. And from the biggest mistakes, of course, yani unfortunately, of this ummah, and the, the, the truth is that maybe, maybe, the majority of them from a theological point of view, but not the majority of them practically. Because when you look at the different Aqidah groups, like the Ash'ari groups and the, the, the Athari groups and the Maturidi groups, these are, when you study Aqidah, you'll understand, and you study these groups and, uh, you know, of Aqidah, you will see that the majority of them consider Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be everywhere. They consider Allah to be everywhere, around and whatever. Yani, uh, picking up on this kind of pantheistic, or poly, not polytheistic, pantheistic kind of mystical approach that God is in every one of us and all this kind of nonsense, right? And this kind of approach is a romantic kind of fuzzy-wuzzy uh, 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 reality which actually picks up on early Greek and, and uh, 
uh, yeah, early Greek debates about the position of Allah or God and the idea that if we give him a position, we have restricted him. So when you say that he is above his throne, this is how the Muslims later on then developed this argument. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ and that he rose above his throne or that he is, يعني, as in Sahih Muslim, when the, when, the, when the slave girl was asked the question and she said, in the heavens. They were desperate to reinterpret these hadith and these verses because they were like, how can you say Allah is restricted to one place? Allah is the unrestrictable. Allah is the undefined. Uh, Allah is the infinite. Yeah? He's not finite like us. He's independent. He's everything that we're not. He's free of time. So they lose their minds. They go all Greek. They all go yani whatever. And they say he's out of the plane of this and plane. This is, all, this is all nonsense. This is called kalam, by the way. And this philosophy is something, this philosophical talk is something which is condemned by scholars. And I advise you as well, as students of knowledge, to avoid this kind of stuff. All right? To avoid this kind of stuff when you come across uh, this and, you know, people do it. You know, a lot of people, they say, no, we need to know this uh, uh, because people are asking about it. No, they're not. I've been in this game 25 years. No, they're not. That's rubbish. People aren't asking. One or two of your mates are asking. That's it. And those one or two of your mates who are asking, they're just damaged people. You find an excuse not to yani, uh, wake up for Fajr. That's it. They, you know, they hold like the idea, but they can't give up their bacon. They're not having that. So it's like, well, what about this? What about that? You know what I mean? You see this all the time. People finding excuses yani, to not yani, believe. So... Um, The implication of it? Yeah, from that, I'm just saying, is there any He is with you wherever you are. He is closer to you than your jugular vein. These are phrases which are obviously not indicating physicality, but could be interpreted physically, right? Yeah, and if he's with you wherever you are, you're thinking he's physically there with you. Allah is watching you. How is he watching me? Because he's with you. You know, this kind of idea, this kind of like, you know, spy camera kind of uh, approach or whatever, whatnot. And we know by consensus of those yani, that, that are to be considered yani, from the Sahaba, yani, the Salaf, the early generations. And that's the key thing here, by the way. Listen, it is possible to interpret these verses, like I said, and hadith yani, to think that he is physically with you. So if it's possible, what do you do? What's our principle? We go back to see what the Prophet said, what the companion said, what the tabi'een said, and then end the argument. And we go back and there are all three generations, not a single one, not a single one ever interpreted the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not mean actual ulu of makan and sifa. That the highness of Allah is a physical one. He is above the heavens. He is in the highest place possible. He is above his throne. He descends every night. He comes down to the lowest heavens in a manner which befits his majesty. Ayani, it, by the way, uh, I mean, this is not Aqidah class. I could go on because for this, obviously, Aqidah is something I love. But I will say this. Ibn Taymiyyah said that every evidence that I was shown from the people of Bid'ah to try and prove their Bid'ah was used against them. Then the same evidence, the same ayah will be used against them. The proofs of the ulu of Allah. Imam Dhahabi wrote a book, of course, called Al-Kitab Al-Ulu, the book of the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just a book on establishing that. Yani, the Quran is full of maybe what, a thousand evidences. 
like it's mental. And put all the evidences aside. Sometimes yani, a person just needs to think for themselves as well. It is human nature. You'll see yani, everyone from young baby to old person, they reach high for the, for the, for the high. Uh, the respect and honor is a natural thing. You don't yani, respect that which is low in our basic minds. And Shaykh Uthameen here mentions, he goes, yani, these are people who are saying Allah is everywhere, or Allah is yani, down or whatever, but on Arafah, did you ever see anyone making dua to the floor? He goes, they are the same people who lift their hands up and they raise and they, they you know what they, because you know, you know the great thing about Arafah? You know what I love about Arafah, especially if you do it properly. All right? Karmiz <laughs> is one of them. Yeah? Is that you get ripped apart. Yani, you know what it is? You know your fakeness or you're trying to keep it together or if you've got makeup on and you're trying to keep yourself looking good or yani, you know, if you've thought that you had deodorant on and it's going to work, yeah, everything goes. It's awesome. Yani, you are ripped apart. You are full on raw. Arafah, you are absolutely exposed. You tried to put on a show. You thought that you, you, know, you wear your design labels and you come across as who you are. but You, you, got, you, you can't get away with that. Yani, you, you, know, you try to look cool. You're sweating like a flipping yani, you know, to use to use our chiefs yani, uh, to, to to use. I'm gonna say it because if Liam Neeson's gonna yani get done, yani, the chief get done as well. He says yani, I'm sweating like a slave. That's his statement, okay, all the time, sweating like a slave. Now that's not pro-slavery. I don't think that he went out for a week looking trying to find slaves to kill, but <coughs> but I will say, for a whole week, a whole week, the guy was nuts, bro. He was mad for it, mad for it, bro. I don't know how long you were looking for slaves, but I'm just saying. <laughs> this guy is just too, much, too close to the edge. I just can't deal with it. I'm a politically correct kind of guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no need for that, is it? That's, that's my corner. This is a boxing match, yeah, that's my corner. This is my corner. <laughs> Threw the towel before I even started, huh? So, Yanni, it's, it's amazing because as I said, it's hot, it's yani, people don't care. That's the main thing, is that people don't care. People don't really care at all what, who you are. People are desperate. And the timing of it, and in front of the sun, and watching it come down, and all the rest of it, we all know. That those who have been Hajj, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so at that moment, you can't blag things. And at that moment, this is why I keep telling people that your memorization of dua, and you know, we do preparation for Hajj months in advance, okay? That's the structural memorization to put your mind in set to make sure you don't forget things. But then when it comes to crunch time, when it comes to game time, yeah, it doesn't matter. It comes from the heart and it comes in your own language. And I keep telling the folks that be confident and happy about that because your heart speaks. So when the heart speaks and you've lost everything, what happens to your body is natural. So when you lift your hands, if your hands go to a position, that is what your fitra is. And that's what Sheikh Uthameen says, that people are maftoor. What a great statement. That creation, it's asal fitra, maftur, meaning they are created to, yani, to raise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to consider Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high. It's awesome. It's your natural tendency. And you only feel fulfilled when you lift your hands up like that. And you only feel yani, answered to when you call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high. So this is a position. The ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that which fits the Qur'an, which fits the sunnah, which fits the common sense, which fits the aql, which fits yani, just natural yani, tendencies. So there's absolutely no doubt. And it's amazing that there are people from our ummah 
Yani Sunni Muslims that consider Allah to be everywhere. And that's a huge mistake. Okay? It's a huge mistake. All right. Um, and, and saying Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, okay, this is now a little whispering moment, isn't it? You're by yourself and because you're so clear to the ground, uh, sorry, so close to the ground, is it right to say you hear yourself more? Because it's going against the floor? Yeah, correct. Do it, just do it yourself. Say, whisper, whisper, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, and now put your hand in front of yourself. Agreed? So it, it rebounds off the floor. So that's how close you are. So you hear yourself. So I, I like the fact that he said that. Sheikh Uthami makes this point. A reminder of what is the ruling of saying in, in the prayer. So what is the ruling, folks? Because definitely when you're in sajda, you will hear yourself. Whatever happens, you're going to hear yourself. Because if you don't hear yourself saying, and you say, you really hear it loud, actually. So what's the ruling? Need to hear yourself? Uh, with respect to hearing. What did we say? What's the discussions? Who remembers? We covered this in a couple of times. Anyone remember? Huh? As long as someone... Correct. The class position is as long as the letters have come out from its makhraj, i.e. it is articulated and you know that you said it, you don't have to hear it. The, the popular position is you have to hear yourself. We know that it's not allowed yani, for other people to be disturbed by your, your, your statements. But at the same time, yani, the, the popular majority position is that you should be... Like, I know that I'm saying it even though you can't work out what I'm saying. The correct position, and Allah knows best, is that there's no evidence for that. And as long as you know you said it, and there's a big difference between you saying it and you not saying it. Because we know when we speak in our mind and don't speak with our tongue. And we know then the next step up is speak on your tongue but you can't hear it. And then we know that the next step up is you speak on your tongue and it's a whisper and you can just about hear it. And then we know the next step up is that you whisper and it's loud enough for the next person to just about hear it. And then it's low voice, then it's a voice, then it's shouting. You know what I'm saying? So we are not at the second, first rung, we're at the second rung. Where you know that you've said it but you don't need to hear it. Is that clear everybody? But if you hear it, that's fine. As long as you don't, if you do hear, you know, you do the whole, that's okay, as long as you don't disturb the other person. Alright folks? Right. How many times do we say, Subhanahu Rabbi Al-A'la? Once as a bare minimum, and three is a sunnah, and sometimes it's good to go up and down as well. Yani meaning, using an odd number uh, of times. Okay? An odd number of times. Why did he not mention that? Only because it is... Yani lack of space. Uh, you're going to find out later on that this is not one of the arkan. Okay? You remember in my discussion that when it comes to fiqh, you have those which are sunnah, acts, wajib, acts, arkan. Recommended, obligatory, and pillars. And the statement of subhanahu rabbi al-a'la is not an obligation. Meaning that if you, when it's because I know people are asking this, that if you say subhanahu rabbi al-azim, for example, what do you do? Well, if you said Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, you didn't say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, which is the same as someone saying, I forgot to say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. They're both the same question. Is that clear, everybody? So if you said Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la uh, 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 in your ruku' and you said Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim in your sujood, you haven't done the obligations of ruku' and sujood. And so at the end of the salah, you would do the sajda to sahum, the sujood to sahum. All right, the prostration for forgetfulness, and that's it. You wouldn't need to repeat the ruku' again. You wouldn't, you know, 
need to do anything major because you haven't missed out a pillar, you've missed out an obligation. If you're praying behind an imam, praying behind an imam, he covers it for you. That's why you should pray behind an imam. That's why it's good, Yanni, to come to the masjid and put the, Yanni, the headache on him. Yep, that's what he's there for. That's what he gets paid for, isn't it? The big sponge soaks up all your mistakes. Job done. So you don't need to do anything. If, he, if you forget what you, what you didn't do, you do not make sajdah after that. Sunnah, wajib, rukan are the three categories in, according to the majority of madhahib when you divide fiqh. Fiqh is divided into these three. You know what I'm saying? Sunnah, by definition, that which improves the prayer, but if you don't do it, no problem. Wajib, if you miss it out, obligatory, and you must yani, make up a sajda sahu, but the act is valid. Misa or rukan, you cannot have a valid action. You have to go back and perform that rukan regardless and make a sajda sahu as well. Yeah, I think we mentioned that a couple of times in the early lessons, and not so much uh, now. The next thing is dua. What should a person focus on? You see, when you start to think about this more and more, just like, l- like laterally think about it, you realize that, you know, when it's prohibited to recite Qur'an, it's not just prohibited because it's the most perfect speech and you're in the lowest position and issue disrespect. It's prohibited because this ain't the time for Qur'an. This is the time for dua. You know what I'm saying? It's time for dua. A person should focus on dua and nothing else. The Prophet ﷺ said that a person is closest to his Lord, وَهُوَ سَاجِدْ فَلْيَدْعُوا رَبَّهُ كَمَا قَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ So let him, oh, فَيَكْثِرْ فِي الدُّعَاءِ The Prophet ﷺ said, so then let him increase in his dua. So at this moment now, you start increasing your dua, whatever comes to you naturally, although the sunnah is better. And yes, we mentioned the whole English thing last week. Try to avoid it yeah, and as much as possible. You should try to establish yeah, the sunnah which is established. We have so obviously lots of adhkar as well. Let's kind of cover a few of them. So for example, Subhana Rabbil A'la is the asl. And as we said before, people ask the question, what if we say one of the others instead of it? We said no. Let's always make the others in addition to it. Okay? In addition to it. Let's make Subhana Rabbil A'la always a bare minimum. And then he would sometimes uh, uh, add to that, uh, what else? Subhana Rabbi al-A'la wa bihamdih. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la wa bihamdih. And that would be odd numbers of time as well. Subbuhun quddusun rabbul malaikati wa ruh Okay, as we mentioned before for Ruku'a as well. So that's yani, another sunnah. So Subhana Rabbi al-A'la wa bihamdih, narrated by Abu Dawood and Imam Daru Qutni, hadith sahih. And Subbuhun quddusun rabbul malaikati wa ruh hadith narrated by Muslim. And that's Sahih, of course. And another one, Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghafirli. Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghafirli. This hadith narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. And then you have others as well, which have different uses. They can also be used in the sajda of tilawa, okay, as well. And they can just be used in general as well. So for example, Allahumma laka sajad wa bika amant wa laka aslamt wa anta rabbi sajada wajhi lilladhi khalaqahu wa sawwara fa ahsana suwarahu wa shakka sam'ahu wa basara fa tabarakallahu ahsanul khaliqeen. And this is, uh, by the way, the transcribed notes are like nearly just like uh, they're, they're up to date. It's only like the lesson before kind of thing. So uh, you guys, it's fine, you look bloody useless, yani, but the fact is these lot know. 
But if you ever want to find these du'as, yani you will find every single one of them fully there. All the ayat, all the du'a, they do a great job, mashallah, the transcriber team. Jazamullah khair. Jazamullah khair wa They do all the research, put all the hadith in, they put all of the du'a in, so you can always go back and find them. So if you want to memorize them and learn them, you know, because obviously I'll just read it quickly and then that's it. This hadith is narrated by Muslim and Imam al-Tahawi and Adar al-Qutni. Allahumma aghfir li dhanbi kullahu wa diqqahu wa jillahu wa awwalahu wa akhirahu wa alaniyatahu wa sirrah. This hadith also narrated by Imam Muslim and so on and so forth. There are many other actually uh, dua. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik la ilaha illa ant. Hadith narrated by Muslim. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik la ilaha illa ant. Also hadith which is narrated. Allahumma aghfir li ma asratu ma a'lant. Allah forgive me that which I have kept hidden and that which has become public. Hadith which is narrated by Ibn Abi Shayba and Imam Nasai as well. And one which I like, okay? I like it because a lot of people, this is one of the issues of studying Hisnu Muslim. I don't want to scare you off from that because it's an amazing book. But there are some ishtihads that have gone into Hisnu Muslim by, uh, what was it, uh, Sheikh Al Qahdani, alayhi rahmatullah, passed away recently. And he's a scholar like him. You know, a lot of people forget. That's, uh, that uh, Hishn Muslim is not a prophetic book or anything, right? A scholar, what did he do, right? He, he basically found hadith books that had been authenticated by other scholars, like Sheikh al-Albani, etc., etc. So once he's now got his authentic sources, Bukhari Muslim didn't need that, he knows they're authentic. And he needed yani, Abu Dawood and Nasa'i bin Majah yani, to be authenticated. So once he's got the authentic yani, versions of these ahadith, he then combs through them and finds those that are dua, for the different times that are indicated. However, you should know that indication of a place of du'a, who's taken fiqh of du'a and dhikr with Sheikh Walid? Okay, so only a few of you. So you'll know anyone who's taken that class or anyone who studied the fiqh of du'a and dhikr will know that there is a major fiqh of du'a and dhikr. Understanding when and where to use certain du'a is not obvious. Like I'll give you, for, I'll give you an example. You know one of my favorite du'as is Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Yani, there is no single hadith which indicates the usage of this dua like I use it. I use it like everywhere. Alright? And I used it yani, for the longest time because as Ibn Taymiyyah yani, once wrote, it goes, it's from the ashmal dua. It is from the most comprehensive of, of dua. It's a great dua. It's like if the person's got literally one second to make a dua, that's the one to make. Yani, it's, a, it's, a, it's a knockout. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadik. Oh Allah, support me and help me to remember you, to be grateful to you, and to perfect my ibadah to you. I mean, what else is there? <laughs> what else do I need in life? Khalas, yeah, job done. I couldn't care less about anything else. If I get that done, I'm done. I'm done. So it's a great dua. Yeah, he's spot on. So anyway, I use it everywhere at the beginning and whatever. However, actually as a sunnah, the hadith only mention it to be mentioned when? Anyone know? Huh? Ba'da salah? Is that what the hadith says? Anyone? Anyone? After, okay. Anyone else? Is that what it says? Okay, there you go. You heard immediate difference of opinion. Very clear statement after salah. Heard another clear statement after salah. Uthman says, I've heard it used in salah. The Prophet said, in salah. How can there be such a big difference? Yani either, it's in, either it's in or after. No? 
How can it be both? Okay, sorry. It can be both if it says he used it in prayer, he used it after the prayer. That could be both. But what if I say there's only one hadith that mentions one thing? How can it be both? Tell me. Correct, as Rehan has written. Dubra salah. Fi dubra salah. What does a dubr mean? The end. Dubr is our back. And it's the, the back is called the end because it's like the end. You know, like the end of the spine cord thing. Yeah? That's the dubr. Dubr means the end. Now I put to you, what does end mean? The end of the salah? The end of the process? If it's the end of the process, then it should be after. If it means the end of the salah, it should be in salah. And that's why the scholars are agreed that it's allowed to use this dua at the end before you say assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, like I do, and after as part of your tasbih, after tasbih, also like I do. Because I find the evidence for both yani, indistinguishable, too difficult. Does that make sense? So I want you to know that to, to know when to use a dua is not obvious. Now this dua, I'm going to read it, and I want someone to tell me yani, where, did, where did they think this dua is to be used. Allahumma ja'al fi qalbi nura. Okay? Wa fi lisani nura. When you're coming to the masjid. Anyone here? Everybody. And why is that? Because Hussein Muslim says you're meant to say it in, in going to the masjid. I have no idea why. I still need to find out why that is. I'm thinking, because actually if I translate it for you, look at this, all right? Oh Allah, place in my heart light, and upon my tongue light, and in my ears light, and in my eyes light, and put light underneath me and light above me, and to light to the right of me, and light to the left of me. And then, and place light within me, right in front of me, behind me, right of me, left of me, inside me. I don't know what that means. That could mean a number of things. But the main thing is that bless me with light. So I think Allah knows best that maybe him or someone else took it, therefore, that this means, like literally, like spiritually, but also literally as well. So, you know, a light in the path, etc., etc. So that just goes to show. And I've never held that. Yani from the longest time, I never found evidence for it. Because I've always been critical of Hisn Muslim yani from the start. Yeah? Because Hisn Muslim, whenever you see a book in English, that's the first problem right there. Okay? And that's how you should be brought up as students of knowledge. But then, for me, I was critical of the Arabic one. Because it's just a modern day scholar putting hadith together. It's his opinion. I'm happy with the hadith, but he's put them under chapter titles and said, dua to be said when you do this, dua to be said when Now, by the way, I'm very glad he did that because, frankly, there are no right and wrongs here with most of them. They are a judgment call, right? They are a judgment call. Yani when, like I'll give you an example. We just identified right now that a person, when they're at the highest point, they should say, Allahu Akbar. Yeah? The highest point. The hadith says that when they used to be on a journey and they used to come to a high point, they would make Allahu Akbar. What kind of high point are they referring to? Huh? Like a what? Hill, right? Because they'd be walking on dunes and mountains and... You can see the natural application of that hadith, would you agree? you got people today and if they come on, on the car and they go to a high point or they go on the elevator and they go to the top floor, they're making the dua. Now, you're going to stop someone and making that dua? What's wrong with that? He's on the highest point. 
At the end of the day, if he's feeling, yani, you know, like you'd understand if he was to come outside, go onto the roof, look down, feel yani, a bit, you know, feel the big at that moment, then give it Allahu Akbar. That makes sense. But should he be saying it when he's at least on the floor, but knowing that he's high, but he can't feel high? It's just normally I'm home. You know what I'm trying to say? So that's, that's, that's a matter of ishtihad, isn't it? That's a personal interpretation. Should I apply the hadith or not? And so that's why we will never make inkar. And a person would probably say, because the book is the, the reason the book is so great is because he's taken the thinking out. You know, there is someone out there who's going to want to be thinking, what do I say when I get to the top floor of my flat? He's going to look in his index and he finds section, what to say in the top floor of his flat. And if it's there, it's the right thing to do. Create the chapter, create the answer to the question, and say this is the du'a you'd make. So I want you to know that there is a lot of ishtihad in du'a, and this one that I've just mentioned there is another piece of ishtihad, uh, Wallahu a'lam. But, but uh, this one, it seems from the hadith itself, and this hadith is narrated in Muslim, okay? Um, and also in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaybah, which has all the extra additions, because not all of this yani, uh, du'a is complete, then you'll see that in volume uh, two of the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shaybah, hadith or athar number 106. Okay, and I think on that point, and yeah, Chief has been looking at the clock, I think maybe 17 times in the last three seconds. Yeah. But I think we're done there, I reckon. Right, questions, folks. Let's take some questions. And then I think we're, um, jobs are good in an order. What was the hadith that been quoted? Muslim. No, uh, Which one? Muslim. The truth is, the truth is I don't know. The truth is that I know, but I'm not confident about my position. I read a book on this hadith, by the way. Can you believe a book written about this hadith? And this book was written as a refutation of people who specified it for going out to masjids and so on. Long time ago, and I wasn't convinced by it. That's the basic yeah, the fruit of the the point. Uh, there you go. Naveed has just given us a benefit there. He says that Imam Masyuti said that this is one of the du'a before sleeping. See that? Now, you see, when a person makes a statement like that, first of all, is it allowed for a person to make a statement like that? Yes, it is if he doesn't say it's a sunnah. It's a du'a. It's been narrated. You're using it in a positive way. Du'a is dhikr. Dhikr is ibadah. You're meant to make it as many times as possible in a general way. So that's fine. It needs a dalil if you're saying that the sunnah of this time is to make this. For example, there's no doubt that it's closer to not being the sunnah than the sunnah. There's no doubt that if a person said, yani, is it the sunnah for me to recite this dua at night time? I would say, no, that the sunnah is to recite Surah Al-Waqi'ah, that is to recite Surah Al-Mulk, to write ikhlas, say ikhlas, to make yani, the nafat across your body. That is the sunnah. Ayatul Kursi before you even hit the bed. That is the sunnah. That's what you would put forward as an ideal. Then the person's going to ask the question, and I'm glad you asked this question because Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti, it's next week's lesson, but next week we're in Pakistan, by the way, inshallah. So uh, locally, all right, uh, uh, it still might happen live, but make sure. I know that it's not going to happen. I'm just saying, wasting my time telling you a bunch of Pakis here. At least these people will attend. Right? Try going online. Yeah, chutti, yeah, Wait, oh sugar. What's happening here? I'll only cut some five kilos, but on two weeks. 
five kilos. I can tell you that it's five kilos right here. That's five kilos. See that, Jad? This is what he does every week. Ajmal, your banda. Looking at how many kilos is that? Too many. Too many. Nine hundred and sixty grams. You're the same thing, innit? Yeah. <laughs> you don't eat the whole box. You get a rock with <laughs> <laughs> a rock with rounded edges. <laughs> Just the water, Yanni, doing its little bit of. Oh no, no, it's gonna fall apart. No, no. I'm a rock. They're not getting that. I got no idea what's in there. What if it's any something I like? I like halal, not all this sweet nonsense, yani, which is giving us diabetes. I'm a rock. That's the difference. That's definitely healthy food for me. I know it is. And anyway, if it's from Fat Twins, then that's yani, something especially uh, special for me. By the way, Lala, I know you haven't seen Fat Twins. It's literally named after two fat twins. Oh, you seen it, yeah? Unbelievable or not unbelievable? Lala? Legit. You know what I mean? I let it cut some listen. I went in. Oh. Oh. No, no, I was taking it very quick in emergency. The, 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 don't tell me it's a negative. No, I don't care about hygiene ratings. I just let me make it very clear for the record. I, you, you know, he just put up a finger of two for hygiene rating. It could be hygiene rating zero. <laughs> I told you before, Kansas, yani, we need a little bit of rat yani, thing in there. It gives it a taste, the taste. This is the taste. The maza is in that. Okay? Ask Saeed what happens when he eats, eats the food at home. He rubs it on the floor a couple of times, then he <laughs> Hygiene rating. What kind of nonsense. <laughs> there you go. No, don't worry about hygiene. As long as the Muslims are touching it, it's okay. We pray on that floor. Right. So anyway, what was I saying? There was something... Uh, what? Oh, it is nice, yeah? McDonald's type kind of uh, burger kind of flavor. You know what's really nice is their sauce. The two lads used to work at McDonald's, basically. So they just basically ripped it off one time. But really nice bande. And they're identical twins. And they're both fat. <laughs> it's amazing. And you know what? I didn't clock on. I just sat down, eating a burger. Kadir next to me goes, by the way, you know why it's called fat twins, isn't it? I go, no. He goes, have a look. So I had to look and see two fat twins. <laughs> I said, you sick guy. Anyway, I was so happy. Anyway, right. Astaghfirullah, look at, look at Nakli Rock. At least spell flipping Nakli right. What's Nakli? Anyway, uh, Aywa. Yaqulu fi salatihi aw fi sujudihi. Yeah. There's a big discussion, you know, you see what Imam Nawawi says about this hadith. Yeah, I mean, so, right, anyway, there was something I was about to say. Ah, yes, listen, this is, this is important. Share, uh, uh, this is next week's, uh, uh, part of next week's lesson. 
But we have a dua of the Prophet ﷺ to say when you come up from sajda. It's Rabbi Ghfirli, Rabbi Ghfirli. The question that Shaykh is asked in between the sajda next week, okay? What happens if a person forgets that or absent-mindedly or intentionally makes dua at that moment? Your question effectively, right? And any dua. And, sometimes, and actually he's asked about dua for the parents, okay? And that's opening up a big kind of discussion actually, but the fundamental point is, is that is it good or not? And the answer is that it's not good. We don't promote it. So then he asks, should we say it's bid'ah? Or should we say it's haram? He says, and I will quote to you what he says, okay? Because it's fair that this is, okay? He says, he says, um, I'm going to, just, just, just because I, I don't know if I'll read this to next week, but just in case, yeah. He goes that, if it's impossible for this person to say a certain dua, uh, then yani in, a, in, a, in a specific way according to the sunnah, then he just asks in his dua. Yani natural, he should say whatever he wants to say. And that's the position of the majority of scholars. This is talking about dua in general, okay? Uh, this is especially if he's unable to memorize that which is worded, that which has been narrated from the Sunnah of the Prophet Or if he's not yani, aware of what is meant to be said at that time. Or he's unable to. Um, so for example, So for example, he's making dua for himself and his parents. Yani people sometimes make dua for their parents without thinking. Or you should be anyway. Right? Yani it shouldn't be a formal process that you've got to get the exact wording right. You just yani, say it. And you might just say, you know, my mom and dad or whatever. Like literally, yeah, Allah protect my mom, protect my dad. Whatever you say, but it just comes out. Lakin al-afdal wal-akmal, the better and the most complete version is to make dua with the dua which is narrated for each position. But if a person was to make that dua because he couldn't, then okay. And the difference between saying that it is better and more complete to say the sunnah dua and the difference between saying this is haram and bid'ah is the following. فَلَا يَسُوغُ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يُحَرِّمْ It is not right, it is not becoming for a person to say that it is haram to make that kind of dua. Because إِنَّمَا يَكُونَ تَحْرِيمْ فِي أَلْفَاضِ ذِكْرَ الْمَخْصُوصَةِ فَقَوْنَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ يَسْكُتْ عَنِ الصَّحَابَةِ وَلَمْ يَأْمَرْهُمْ بِاللَّفْضِ مَخْصُوصٍ بَيْنَ السَّجْدَتَ he goes that if a person is avoiding a specific action and avoiding that, we know that there's a dua to be said and he avoids it intentionally and replaces it with something of his own because he wants to, this is haram, this is bid'ah. Someone doesn't know that or that position doesn't have a specific dua to be said and therefore the Prophet ﷺ has left it open. For example, he mentions this, which is a, you know, really causing a, uh, opening up the situation. Dua for the parents. The Prophet ﷺ didn't have parents. And he was specifically prohibited, uh, not having parents, meaning that during his life, that were Muslim, that he should make dua for. He was specifically prohibited to make dua for his parents as mushrikeen. So therefore, you will find an absence of dua for the parents. Now, that leaves us thinking that, is it allowed to make dua for the parents in this position? It will therefore be allowed for you to be making dua for, virtually, for your parents in virtually every position. 
theoretically, even though that won't be the best and the most perfect, because it won't be coming natural to the Prophet ﷺ, but rather waiting for a specific evidence from the Prophet ﷺ. Yani where he is, because he still makes dua for the parents, and he still teaches the companions dua for the parents, but it's like def that's definitely the time to make dua for the parents kind of thing. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that it's allowed to be using dua outside of its place as long as you not specify this is its place in the place of another dua that is its place. You know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, let's quickly yeah, finish up here. Uh, uh, Lala, let's get this some order going on in here because there's lots of questions that we're losing control. Okay. Yep. 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 Pop, pop, pop. Okay, even in English way, yeah, yeah, you know what, that's good, this is, we miss this uh, benefit. Looking down upon, yeah? Looking down upon. Look at the, the phraseology. Down is low, high is up. Feeling down for being depressed. This is not random. You, you get what I'm saying? That's not random. That's actually, you know, bringing someone down for putting them back in their place if they are being arrogant. Wallah, good point. Solange is yani, honestly, mashaAllah, tabarakallah. See that? Like that. What do you say to those who say that the skywards upwards is the qibla for dua and that this doesn't mean that Allah is in that direction, similar to how the Kaaba is the qibla for salah, but Allah is not in that direction? Is this reported from any of the salaf? The, the word qibla is not, no. It's not reported from the salaf. That's just the explanations of the people later. All right. Uh, the Asha'ira and the Maturidiyya believe that Allah is not restricted by space or time based on laysa kamithlihi shay. Is this the same as saying Allah is everywhere? No, it's not the same as saying Allah is everywhere because that is also them affirming something. Because I could argue Allah has said that He is above the heavens. Allah has said that He is above His throne. And you are saying that Allah is everywhere. So you are affirming something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the point is that this argument goes back and forth, but there's absolutely no doubt. Give us some good news, uh, Lala. Yeah, you're looking at the score. Tell us the score. Alhamdulillah. Can you believe that that time has come? That time has come where we, where we support Man City. And we celebrate every goal against Liverpool. I feel sad about that. We support Man City, but we can't have Liverpool winning this league. It'll be a disaster. It'll be catastrophic. I, 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 I can't deal with it. I can't. Right. Squeaky bum time that one there, wasn't it, really? Seven minutes and we actually Huh? The game's not done? Oh, it's done now. Oh, it's done. Wow, alhamdulillah. Tell me that Asane, the fish scored and he got played at least or something. Seven minutes extra they played. No, Sane. Talk to me about oh, Sane. Right. Say Kassam. He didn't even play. <laughs> Actually, I don't want him to play. He was my captain and they flipping, they benched him, didn't they, the first game? Got Jack squat. And then I realized that Pogba, who's my vice captain, who I'd have got some serious points for, I found out that you don't get his points because if you play again in the game week, second game in the same game week, you got to wait for him to have that game week. It doesn't matter that you don't understand. It's just really not, not on. Anyway, is it wajib to say the tasbih in ruku' and sujood a minimum of once? Yes, I believe that. I believe that that's the position of the scholars. We should keep to that. Okay? The scholars indifferent on what it is. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Good, good. Uh, bro, what's going on? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not going to get into that now. It's mega massive. Shut up, Mesa. You and your life. You destroy everything, man. We're there flipping another country, out, crying our eyes out, dying, Yanni, everything. Yanni, standing like this for reception, and you want us to do things live. <laughs> yeah. 
You said that the person in congregation and the one praying alone says Rabbana wa hamd and then after that after Samiyallahu liman hamida. Can you explain what the follower does? Or why does the humble, the humbly madhab say the follower doesn't say it? No? Huh? Wait a minute. I said that the follower says Rabbana wa hamd. Only the Imam and the person, the, the Imam says Samiyallahu liman hamida. The follower says Rabbana wa hamd. And the one who's praying alone, he says both. Yeah, that's what we said. Okay. Uh, the hadith states that our toes and hands should face the qibla. What I'm in sujood, I can sit on my feet with the toes facing the qibla just to say just to say the, the jewel between the sajdatain. More than that, and I'm dead. <laughs> Don't die, Dina. Is it okay if I sit on my feet whilst they aren't facing the qibla? Yes, we said it's a sunnah only. And it's not something which is necessary. And by the way, we said that there's another principle that anything that causes pain which dominates the prayer, then that should be avoided in the prayer. Any action that causes pain in the prayer that dominates the prayer should be avoided. A lot of people try their best to sit in a certain way and the whole prayer is ruined because they're just like, when will it finish? When will it finish? That's not what you're meant to be thinking when you're praying. You've got to be relaxed in your prayer. Okay? Yeah, we'll come to that. Yeah, I need later on. 2 nil, And then you've got some nice uh, notes. Well done. Yeah, Rahil knows what's up. He knows what's up, right? And Sheikh Waleed's notes there, I'd check that out, okay? Obviously, you lot are never going to see that because you don't even know what an online portal is, do you? Yeah. Standard. All right. Um, that's that. Yeah. And Okay, good. So the final thing is, is this now for those folks who are online? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm going to uh, say it because that's it. It was unfair. Chief Yan was stopping me, but now it's going to happen, okay? No, no. No, 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 whatever. That's it. Uh, uh, an email will come out tomorrow that is summarizing the email is coming out tomorrow which will summarize all of the various uh, tarbiyah trips and the programs that we've got coming up and so a lot of news and make sure you read a lot of detail but the one which I don't want now people to miss out on LP one folks anyway at least and before it goes public oh, I think it's gone public no I don't think it's gone public I never I never I never post anything so I don't know has the hedge with the anyway Aqsa is live okay Aqsa, a trip to Aqsa is live, five days, all the rest of it. Uh, Hajjwithaee.com slash Aqsa. Uh, of those who have not seen it, you go there and it will be gone. I know that there's 14 spaces left. That is what I was told <laughs> uh, at six o'clock. So I'm just saying that. And there was 70 two weeks ago, uh, two days ago. So. And uh, all the rest, Miskeen. You know, you've seen what he's forced to do. Hebron, Ola, Jericho. He's got it done, Yara. Miskin, Miskin. No, no, it's because he hasn't got the ability to stop it. Right, okay, right, in it. Wall, rock, the these things have to be stopped. My notes on the Your Notes tab has disappeared. Lala, explain that. The email, Yana, will explain that the updates are happening and that there's some developments going on on the website and the app is out, by the way. Can you believe we've got a sick app? Yes, bro. Yes. Open the email, it's coming. App, uh, maybe. Huh? No, it's on Android. Yeah, I know that's obviously Ganda that is, but the, that's only temporary. It will get to Apple soon. Okay. Yep. But Android, yeah, those are any masakin on Android. Obviously, you've got to give it out to the working class first. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Hiba, what are you messing around for, Hiba? Right, yalla, that's enough, man, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna again, get in trouble. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, kashadu Allah, ilaha ilaha, astaghfirullah, wajubillah, wassalamu alaikum, wa rahmatullahi, wa barakatuh. Right, thank you very much, everybody.
I'm a rock. I'm a rock. 75, I think, 80, something like that. 14? Zafar is a skank, you know. Zafar has ox in his heart. Oh no. Is it yeah? <laughs> they are so nice those sources. You understand, you do realise that I'm not sharing that with anyone, yeah? You realise I'm not sharing that with anyone. You know? And that's right, isn't it? There's no daughter more when it comes to food. Yeah. And then they started selling uh, chicken wraps and then they got banned. <laughs> they went to school with you? No, no, they... Uh, it's their story. When they were 12 years old, I was... Uh, right. <laughs> you know about the 23? Where's the farm? Same thing, yeah, but try it. You might be guessing all of these. No, but what'd you get for? Sick.